Are you a good listener? How about I give you a quick quiz? There's eight questions on this quiz. You can get out a pen right now. Just score yourself on each question, pass or fail. If you can't find a pen, you can keep score with me. I'm going to do left hand fail, right hand pass. Hopefully I won't run out of fingers unless it's for pass. Are you a good listener? How do you do in listening in maintaining eye contact? What about noticing nonverbal cues? Not interrupting. How do you do when listening without judging or jumping to conclusions? Number five, how do you do when listening, not thinking of what you will say next when someone else is talking? <laughs> Number six, not thinking of distractions like your phone or the things going on around you when you're listening. Number seven, asking follow-up questions. Number eight, remembering names and details. How'd you do on the quiz? This is how the Harvard Business Review put it. Chances are you think you're a good listener. People's appraisal of, the, of, listening, of their listening ability is much like their assessment of their driving skills. <laughs> and that the great bulk of adults think that they're above average. I wonder if that was your own assessment of your listening ability. Unfortunately for us, uh, studies don't return that conclusion. Uh, most studies find that less than 5% of people can be classified as good listeners. So, what makes listening, active listening, so difficult? And how can we make progress? Well, we can do what uh, we thought about even in that simple little quiz. Um, we can work on making eye contact. We can work hard, you know, discipline ourselves, hold our tongues and not interrupt when someone else is talking. We can put away distractions, you know, just turn that phone off or put it away where we can't see it. Maybe here in this sermon, as you're going to like, okay, I want to listen to this, maybe you're going to take notes as a kind of a way to stay engaged. There's a number of different listening skills that we can consider to, to really help us. But we all know that listening is more than just a skill. We don't generally get upset with a family member or a friend if they're not skilled in, say, public speaking. But if we feel like someone isn't listening to us, particularly when we feel like we have something important to say, that can hurt. So what does how we listen say about us? What does how you listen say about you? Well, you're already listening or maybe just hearing sermon number three of nine in the Gospel of Mark, that we're going through this summer, 
The series is entitled Amazed and Confused in the Presence of Jesus, and we're considering the different responses to Jesus in Mark's gospel along with different aspects of Jesus's identity. So, just this last week, we considered how Jesus, as a teacher, brought a new teaching that demands a response. Today, we're going to consider one of the largest sections of Jesus's teaching proper in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 4. And my prayer, as we hear Jesus's teaching in Mark 4, that we will listen to what God has to say to us in His Word. Jesus talks about listening, hearing, paying attention, understanding at least 10 times in 34 verses in Mark 4, covering five parables. And Jesus connects listening to to our morality and to the identity of his hearers, as well as to their eternal future. Let me say that again. Jesus connects listening to who we are morally, to our identity, and to our eternal future. So, I think one of the things Jesus is telling us in Mark chapter 4 is how we listen is everything. How we listen is everything. That's going to be my main simple argument, and we're going to consider in two points how we listen determines, one, your identity, and two, your future. How we listen determines our identity and our future. So, I'd invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4 in your your Bibles. You can use the pew Bibles that are in front of you in the pews and the chairs up in the balcony. Uh, You will be helped if you keep your Bible open. Um, It's on page 890, 890 in the Pew Bibles. We're going to just be in Mark chapter 4, but I'm going to be moving around a little bit within Mark 4. So you'll want to kind of keep track of where we are in this narrative. How you listen is everything, because how you listen, one, determines your identity. We see this in Mark 4, 1 through 23. Uh, last Sunday, one of the things that we considered was Jesus' growing popularity as a teacher in Mark 1 through 3. Well, that theme's continuing here right at the beginning of Mark 4. Look with me at Mark 4, 1 and 2. Again, he, that's Jesus, began to teach by the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, dot, 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 come back to the story. Let's pause. I want us to picture this scene in your mind. Uh, Place yourselves in this crowd by the Sea of Galilee. We don't know how many people are there. It says a very large crowd. At other times when Jesus would teach, there would be like 4,000, 5,000 men, so maybe 8,000, 10,000 people. Could have been a huge crowd, or at least it could maybe fill up like half the Moda Center or half of Providence Park. Jesus was drawing a crowd, um, and it wasn't just because people in the first century didn't have anything better to do. Uh, Jesus taught with authority unlike anyone or anything they had ever seen. Uh, His teaching was accompanied by signs. He was casting out demons, healing leprosy. 
Uh, healing paralysis, just to name a few, as we considered last week. In other words, Jesus was a teacher who had come with great authority, and he was blowing up. People were starting to wonder about the identity of Jesus. Is this the end times prophet promised in the Jewish scriptures? Or who is this guy? Or for the religious leaders, who does this guy think he is? There's only one problem. Jesus spoke in parables. You might think, why, why is that a problem? Aren't parables just stories? Stories are great. People love stories. Yes, stories are great. People love stories. But parables are different. Easy to hear a parable. We're going to see they're difficult to understand. What is a parable? Well, we could define a parable in a number of ways. I'm going to give you a simple, memorable way to remember kind of the basics of what a parable is. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, you Bible scholars might not like that definition, but I think it's an easy-to-remember one. Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And another thing, though, that needs to be said about parables. Parables are, well, they're like a wild animal. It's like, ooh, that's, that's interesting. You're looking at this wild animal, but you better watch out for the bite in the end. You'll be admiring this wild animal, this parable, this story, and then that wild animal bites you right in the kisser. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke have the most parables, uh, but almost all of Mark's parables are right here in this chapter, in chapter 4. And today, we're not going to have a chance to go deep in any one of the five parables, but we're going to quickly look at each of them and then consider how they fit together and what they have to say to us today. So let's listen to the first parable, shall we? And even if you've heard this parable, I'm looking at some of you, you've heard this parable maybe since you were a little kid. You've even gotten like little crafts with the different soils and everything. Um, This is an iconic parable. Uh, But consider, as you listen, who's the main actor in this parable? And what do we learn about him? So Mark 4, verse 3. Listen. Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Verse 5. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased thirty, sixty, and a hundred times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. That, what we see in verse 3 when Jesus tells us to listen, um, is going to be repeated throughout. But he tells us right away, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. So, did you consider the sower? What's he like? What did you think about him? Did you notice how liberal the sower was? Liberal with the seed? He's throwing that seed all over the place, right? You might think, oh, that's not very smart. But this sower knows what he's doing, and he ends up knocking the crop out of the park. A good return on a crop is like tenfold. This sower, did you notice the return? 30, 
60 to 100-fold. Again, Jesus concludes this parable, verse 9, tells us to listen again. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. Well, the crowd comes and the crowd goes. Jesus is alone with his disciples in this inner circle. Perhaps they're sitting in the shade of some olive trees by the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus explains what this parable of the sower is all about to his inner circle. So I'm going to read the explanation that Jesus gives uh, to this parable. And I want you to see now if you can spot the crucial repeated word. That repeated word, I think, is the key to understanding the meaning of the parable of the sower. And the explanation Jesus gives starts in verse 14. So this is where we're, we're skipping down, come back to 10 through 13. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. But the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. The word is word. <laughs> Did you catch that? It's not the bird is not the word. That the birds are bad in verse three or four. There, uh, we are to listen to the word. What? Well, what is the what is the word? We're flying. We're going to go to the next parable to help us understand the word and where it comes from. So we're now in parable number two, the parable of the lamp in verses twenty one through twenty three. Jesus is probably back with the crowd again, teaching in parables. He also said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. The Greek text literally says, does the lamp come? The prophet John the Baptist told us back in chapter 1 that one mightier than he was coming. And the lamp has come. The light of the world. The lamp is Christ. And the light that comes from the lamp is the word of Christ. His word, the word of Jesus, reveals what was once concealed. So we've briefly thought about two out of the five parables in Mark 4 so far. We've seen that Jesus has come as the lamp to shine the light of his word, and he's come as the sower to sow his word. And we've been told in verse 3, 9, and 23 to listen up. 
But to go back to the parable of the soils or of the sower, only one soil really listens. So what do you think it takes to not just hear the Word of Christ, but to listen? Before Jesus gives the explanation of the parable of the sower in verses 14 through 20, He gives, He reveals to His disciples a secret. Not just to understanding one parable, but to understanding all the parables. So we need to go back and look at Mark 4, verse 10 through 13. When Jesus was alone, those around Him with the twelve asked Him about the parables. He answered them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven." Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable, the parable of the sower? How then will you understand all of the parables? The disciples are confused in the presence of Jesus, but Jesus is merciful. So he gives them the secret of the kingdom of God. What is the secret? Well, what have the parables revealed so far that we've considered? In the first parable, Christ is the sower of the Word. And the second parable, He is the lamp that shines His Word into darkness. Disciples are still struggling. They're still struggling to get it, to understand. But I want you to notice in verses 10 through 13 where they are. Where they are in proximity to Jesus. The disciples in this inner circle are gathered around Jesus. Jesus has called these people his true spiritual family. Do you remember that at the end of Mark 3? But this isn't just to make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Like, isn't this like something out of a Norman Rockwell painting? You got, you know, all the disciples snuggled up to Jesus. Maybe they're roasting marshmallows, you know, by a campfire. And, and uh, Jesus is explaining, you know, what his stories meant and the mysterious parables of the kingdom. No, outside is darkness. They're in the inner circle, but outside, the light is not being listened to. The darkness doesn't listen to the light of the lamp. The outsiders, the religious teachers, even Jesus' own family at this point, They hear what Jesus is saying. They may bear fruit for a little while, some of the people in the crowds who hear, but not for long. The plant is choked, and Jesus' word ends up bringing judgment rather than life. Isn't that what we see in Mark 4.12? Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah. Jesus has come like Isaiah to speak to ignorant, hard-hearted, rebellious, and deaf people. 
And essentially, his message to them is, your blood be on your own head. Because I came speaking light and life, and you ignored it. You heard it, and you ignored it. Instead of turning, repenting, and listening to the message come from God, they heard it and proved themselves to be outsiders. Friends, this is a hard text. The secret of God, the secret to the kingdom of God is given to some and not to others. And that is God's sovereign choice. God sovereignly uses parables to seal the judgment of those on the outside who will not listen. Or, the parables are used to elicit the response that we see the disciples have. They draw near to Jesus. They are asking for an explanation. They are humbling themselves before their teacher, and eventually they will understand the secret of the kingdom, the Word of God spoken in Christ. Are you beginning to see that how you listen really does determine your identity? Your response to the Word of God is the most important thing about you. I'll say it again. Your response specifically to the Word of Christ is the most important thing about you. How you listen will determine what kind of soil you are. How you respond to the light of the lamp exposes the true nature of your heart. You're either an insider or an outsider in the kingdom of God. And who you are is determined by God's sovereign choice and, at the same time, by your response to the Word of Christ. God's sovereign choice is never an excuse to deny human responsibility. If Jesus intended us to be fatalist, he would not have told us in verse 3, 9, and 23, listen, listen, listen. And the first words out of Jesus' mouth in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, would not have been, listen or repent and believe the kingdom of God is drawn near. To listen is to make a choice to draw near to Jesus in love. Because we listen to who we love. Are you ready for another quiz? Let's find out how we do when it comes to listening, not just in general, but listening to the Word of Christ. No pressure this time, but how you listen determines who we really are to the Word of Christ. I'm going to start with us as a church. Hanson, are we good listeners to the Word? What do you think? How do we do listening to the Word preached and taught when we gather? Are we not just hearing it, but what we see in chapter 4, verse 20, welcoming it, bearing fruit for the kingdom? Those are ongoing activities there in verse 20. Would you say, would you give us a pass or a fail? 
you know, at the end of the day, the Lord will be the judge. Praise God. But my assessment as one of your pastors is I think we got some good ears here. I think I have been so thankful for how I have seen God's Word at work among you. Um, This is a church that's known as a church that loves the faithful teaching of God's Word. And I'm so thankful to be a part of a church like that, that whether it's Neil or Mark or Michael or myself or whoever the man is preaching the Word, you just want the pure Word of Christ. You just want to hear the Word faithfully preached. That's that's the feedback. That's the, the looks that I see on your faces even as I have the privilege to deliver, to be the mailman and deliver you God's Word. Week after week, you want to be fed the Word of Christ and we should praise God for that. I know I do. What a privilege to be a part of a church family that values the Word of God. I think that says a lot. It says a lot how we listen to the Word. It says that I think this church is full of regenerate, that is, saved people who are, because of God's sovereign mercy, uh, are welcoming that fruit, and the Word is welcoming that word, and that word is bearing fruit in the congregation. So, I wonder if you agree with my assessment, if you're encouraged by how you see the word at work in this church. I do have a warning, of course. I think one of the things that we can grow in is we can tend to hear the word mainly for other people. (laughs) We can tend to hear the, the word for, you know, people with the real problems, and sometimes our evaluative culture is, can be more interested in, like, the quality of the message, like um, how clever it was or how interesting it was, than sitting in humility under the Word. Don't we all do this sometimes, right? Uh, instead of, like, listening to the Word of God like it is the Word of God and sitting under it, uh, we can almost be like we're watching TV or something, like, you know... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, give, I'd give that sermon like a, f- a 5 out of 10. A, just, it was okay. Or that was a good sermon. I really liked it. I'd give that an 8. Or yeah, that sermon was definitely a 2. What does that kind of listening say about us when we respond that way? I think it says something about our pride, myself included. I think our evaluative culture has a dark side. So let's listen to the Word more like we're listening to, like, life-saving instructions. Let's let the Word of God have its way among us. And only secondarily or way down the line, think about how the sermon could have been better or what we would have done differently had we had the opportunity to preach or teach. Uh, I don't know if the disciples really enjoyed Jesus' parables. It seems like they're often confused. Uh, But what did the parables do with the disciples? Caused them to draw near to Jesus. And may God's Word here at Henson cause us to draw near to Christ. Kids, I I know some of you just finished school. I got more, uh, more work for you, though. I got a quiz for you. I just want you to think in your own hearts, how are you doing, kids, listening to the Word? Do you listen to the sermons? 
Do you listen when your parents read to you from God's Word or in Sunday school? Do you know what we tend to listen to? All of us, kids, adults. We listen to what and who we love. So kids, does the way you listen to Christ's Word show you that you love Jesus? You know, my wife Ashley and I were just on a walk last night, found ourselves walking to Lardo. Yes, I know. Um, But my wife was just sharing, Ashley was just sharing how thankful she is for the kids of this church. Uh, She has had the opportunity, along with Mary and many others, to be teaching in the children's class on Sunday nights, and she was just recounting how encouraged she is by the way that the kids are engaging with God's Word, asking questions. So, kids, I want to encourage you, keep listening. Keep asking questions. We're not always going to understand. We're going to be like the disciples sometimes. We're not going to understand right away, but keep drawing near to Christ. And yes, use different ways to stay engaged in in long sermons like this one. Uh, Take notes if that's helpful. And if you find yourself uh, bored during sermons or Sunday school lessons or even reading your Bible, don't get too discouraged. (laughs) That happens to all of us. Uh, It can be hard to listen. But let's keep all of us encouraging one another to draw near to Jesus so that we might find ourselves to be insiders in the kingdom. Well, just one last kind of grab bag quiz for us. A bunch of questions. If, you're ta- if you'd like to take notes, don't try to write all these questions now. Just receive them and answer them in your own heart in the moment. Uh, no matter if you're an adult, a child, a visitor, or a member, someone who normally comes to church or not, uh, Think about, do you treasure the Word of Christ? Is the Word of the Lord your treasure and your life? Are you hungry and thirsty for it? Do you come on Sundays recognizing that it's life to you? Or are you more of a hearer, merely of the, only merely a hearer of the Word? Are you a doer of the Word? That's what demonstrates if we're really listening if we do the Word? Do you love Christ's Word so much that you find yourself sharing it with others, both people who know the Lord and those who don't? Would you say that the Word of Christ is bearing fruit in your life? You know, church, kids, friends, maybe we got a lot of F's in answering some of those questions, if we're honest. I think the disciples did too. Uh, But Jesus doesn't grade us on our performance. He's not a teacher who's going to hand us a report card at the end of the year. He invites us wherever we are, wherever you are right now, to draw near to Him and listen today. Because how you listen today to the Word of Christ says everything about who you are. And how you listen today also tells us where you're going. That brings us to our second and our final point, how you listen determines your future. We see this in chapter 4, 24 to 34. Uh, So, again, in in point one, we consider Jesus' repeated call, if anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. You you can really see that section bracketed by listen in verse 3 and verse 23. 
Mark introduces his, introduces his final three parables uh, with a similar call in verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. This third parable in, uh, in verse 24 is, is a good one for uh, the scientists, the engineers, the mathematicians among us. So Jeff Leibert, Mark Whitcomb, Ashley, my wife, you'll enjoy this one. Uh, there's not a lot of color or vivid details, but it packs a powerful punch. It gets right to the point. Pay attention now to the economy of the kingdom. The economy of the kingdom in verses 24 through 25. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Our capacity for listening is determined by our perceived need to listen. Does that make sense? Our capacity for listening is determined by our perceived need to listen. So those who recognize their large, ongoing need to hear, listen, and understand, they're going to be filled up. They're going to be rich. But those who don't think they need to listen, well, even what they hear will go away, will ultimately be taken away. In other words, those who go go all in on the listening will be rewarded. Those who hedge their bets and see, let's see what else, what other voices have to say, uh, place this message to the side, those will be taken away to judgment. Uh, The the parable uh, here in verses 24 and 25 has a future aspect to it. Uh, The measure you use, it will be measured to you. Maybe not today, but but you will receive what you put into it later. What you receive today, you will receive later. So, how we listen today determines our inclusion or our exclusion in the kingdom of God tomorrow. This is Kingdom Economics 101. So, what does your future look like? What's the forecast for your spiritual portfolio based on how you're investing and listening today? Will you be rich in the life to come based on how you're listening to the Word of Christ today? You know, if you are not a follower of Jesus, we don't want to take anything away from you here at this church, certainly not your money. But even this message that you hear today will be taken away if you don't respond by listening and obeying the Word of Christ to you. As we've talked about throughout this series in Mark, Jesus calls us to turn from our pride and to trust that Jesus alone is the good authority that we need, and Jesus showed us what His authority was like by laying down His life, by dying the death, receiving the judgment of God the Father on the cross in our place, so that all who repent and believe will know forgiveness of sins today and the hope of eternal life tomorrow. So, God calls us to repent and believe, to turn from our selfishness so that we might enjoy Him forever. So, I wonder, are you able to listen to that good news of the kingdom today? We pray that you will. 
We, we pray that God would give you ears not just to hear, but to listen and to respond. And we would invite you to talk with us after the service. You know, in the same way that Jesus invited his disciples to draw near to him privately after the crowds had gone, we, we pray that you would have the, the courage maybe to talk to someone even today here at Henson about what it would mean for you not just to hear, but to listen Christ's call to come and follow him. There was nothing that we would rather talk to you about than the kingdom at work in you as God's word bears fruit, we pray, in your life. Well, speaking of the kingdom, we see the nature of the kingdom of God in our final two parables. The kingdom of God come in Christ is what we're going to consider in verses 26 and 32 through 32. We'll consider them together. The kingdom of God is like this, verse 26. He said, a man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle, because the harvest has come. Last parable. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Well, in these two parables, we see how the kingdom of God grows. And this slow growth of the kingdom should encourage us who tend to struggle with patience. What we see in both of these parables is how the kingdom looks today isn't always the best indication of what it's going to be tomorrow or later in the future. You know, if the the farmer didn't know better, he could despair that his crop and his harvest is, is not coming. You'd be like, hey, I planted that seed yesterday, and there's, there's no, no evidence. Now, a few years ago, uh, the Friends of the Trees nonprofit came and planted a, a little tree in front of our house, um, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't give them a call. Like, the next day, I was like, hey, yeah, that tree you planted, it, it looks exactly the same as it did yesterday. I think we got a bad tree. I want, I want another, another tree. No. No, these things take time, and that's what Jesus is comparing the kingdom to. The farmer just needs to go about his business. He needs to trust that God is at work through his word. Trusting the seed in the soil, it's going to do its thing. You know, the word in verse 28 is the soil produces the crop automatically. It's like it doesn't doesn't really need the farmer that much. It's, it's, It's going to do its work. The harvest is coming in the future, and the and the farmer just needs to wait. Second parable, the parable of the mustard seed, shows us that the kingdom of God often begins in a small and inconspicuous way. But the future has big things in store for that seed. It's easy to ignore the small, the insignificant, the slow things of today. But Jesus Jesus is encouraging his disciples and us to listen to how the kingdom grows if we want to be a part in a good way of that future harvest. 
if we want to know the eternal rest at the tree of life. So friends, even when all the chips are down, don't count the kingdom of God out. It may seem that it's not working. Following Jesus isn't making your life better. Listening doesn't seem to be doing the trick. But God has always done His work through His Word in a world gone awry, and He does it in His time, often slowly, often imperceptibly. But those who listen today to the message of the kingdom will know a great future in God's kingdom tomorrow. Let me talk briefly a little bit about how some, your, your church leaders think about this practically when it comes to our life together, particularly to our gatherings. Some of you will have heard this multiple times, but it bears repeating. If you haven't noticed here at Henson, we're not really trying to impress you. <laughs> we don't come with these services with a lot of focus on like bells and whistles. Um, we're not spending a lot of time thinking about how to elicit a particular feeling or emotion in the here and now. Now, we spend a good amount of time seeking to plan these services uh, carefully, but it might not be what maybe you're even used to based on whatever church background you come from. Um, you might expect the music to be a little more like lively, more like a concert. Maybe we dim the lights to create a certain kind of ambiance and feeling, but we're not going after that feeling right now. That's not what we're aiming for. What we're aiming for is we want the Word to be clear. That's why we keep the lights on, so you can see your Bibles. My main goal every time I preach is to make the Word of Christ, of Him crucified and resurrected, clear to you, to make it simple so that we can hear. Here at Henson, we go all in on the Word. The Word read, the Word prayed, the Word sung, the Word preached, the Word seen in the sacraments, because we know that it's only the Word that brings life. You know, the Word of Christ calls us out of the world and into the kingdom of God, and we can hear the Word of the kingdom of God today. We are banking everything on this Word to bear fruit in our lives for our eternal joy. So I don't know how you're feeling today, but go all in on the Word with us. This is what's going to bring life. And be reminded, in these two parables, word work is often slow. It can often be frustrating and discouraging. You'll look one day and you'll see, I don't see any fruit in my life. But the Lord, keep listening, and the Lord will do his work. I doubt that this sermon or any one service at Henson is going to radically like change your life. But sitting under regularly gathering and uh, giving yourself to the discipline of listening, oh, that, that will slowly shape your appetites. That will, sh that will shape your ears so that you have ears to hear the Word and pray. As you come and gather with us, pray that the Lord would be giving you ears to hear, listen, and obey. Well, friends, I think a seed, a word, 
a parable, a teacher, a prophet, is not necessarily what we would expect for God's kingdom coming and invading our lives. We wouldn't expect it to come this way. It certainly wasn't what the characters in Mark's gospel were expecting. Yes, they were amazed at Jesus' authority, but even the disciples were often confused at His teaching. They would later rebuke Him and abandon Him when He was arrested because they thought, surely this isn't the way of the kingdom. Surely the way of the kingdom can't mean suffering and death. Isn't the kingdom, the kingdom of God, it's got to be all about victory, triumph, victorious living. Uh, the disciples were, were, even as they were going to Jerusalem, they were, they were thinking about uh, their future rewards and the honor that they would have in the kingdom. And, and so they were confused when Jesus was talking about mustard seeds and lamps. Um, and they would be further confused and alarmed when they saw a mob coming carrying swords and clubs and a former insider coming to betray their teacher and Lord. But God was preparing them and us for the crowning of His King on a lonely hill outside of Jerusalem. To most, it would look like the ultimate defeat of this man who had come proclaiming the kingdom of God. A scattered seed or a mustard seed thrown out down to the ground to die. To most, the cross was the symbol, ultimate symbol of death, shame, and the end of an era. But the blood of Christ that fell from that tree would give life to the greatest harvest that the world has ever known. That cross would give birth to a kingdom that would sprout branches that all the peoples, without distinction, of the earth could come and enjoy its shade. You know, maybe you've heard the message of the gospel of what God has done in Christ a thousand times. But maybe you've never really paid attention as you look at your life. I'd invite you to turn towards Christ like the disciples. Did you notice how verse 34 concludes? Privately, however, he explained everything to his disciples. Now, even with that private instruction, the disciples, as we'll hear in the story, are still slow to understand and obey. But right here, at the end of our passage, consider Jesus' love for his inner circle, for his followers, for his family. He patiently explained everything to his disciples, even when they were hard of hearing, even when they were slow to obey. The disciples saw the love of their teacher. They heard his words of love. And so they would eventually learn to listen themselves. It took until the lamp was shining brightly out of the empty tomb, but they would listen even when it meant that their earthly future would be stained with blood because their eternal future was shining.
they had listened to the one who loved them and laid down his life for them. How they listened to this prophet, this teacher, and their Lord determined their future and their new identity with him. How could we not listen to someone like this? Friends, the son listened to his father, and he invites us to listen to him today. And there's no better word to listen to. As Peter later would say, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Listening to Christ will make you a new person. Listening to Christ will give you a new future, a glorious future. If you're in this room, you heard the word today. And I pray that just as many listened. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and listen, to welcome the word of Jesus. Lord, even if it is a message that changed our lives decades ago, Lord, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Help us to listen today. Help us to cling to your word. Lord, we confess that we are so often looking for something new, something more interesting than this this old story. Uh, But Lord, make us new by your word, even now, we ask. We pray that you would help us help one another. Lord, saturate ourselves in this word, uh, that your word would would be life and light to us, and that you would slowly but surely be shaping us uh, by your word into the conformity of the image of your son, Jesus. Prepare us for glory, Father, as we listen to your word today and prepare for that day in the kingdom. Lord, when our faith becomes sight, we pray all this, trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now hear this word of blessing from God's word. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all both now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.